0: Welcome everybody, and very interesting passage, this one, Ephesians 1 15-23. Very interesting prayer that Paul prays uh, has written this prayer to the church at So Christ is the full expression of God. So Christ is the full expression of God and the church is the expression of Christ. Christ is the full expression of God and the church is the expression of Christ. The church is filled with his presence, animated with his life and endowed with his gifts in Christ the church has everything that is needed to fulfil its mission. In Christ, the church has everything that is needed to fulfil its mission. Let's talk about sound doctrine and sound living. In verse 15, we see that the Lord Jesus is presented as the true object of faith. Your faith in the Lord Jesus. We're not told to believe in a creed. We're not told to believe in the church. We're not told to believe in other Christians or pastors or bishops. Saving faith is in the risen exalted Christ at God's right hand. Now during this uh, time of COVID-19, churches around the world have been closed down. We're unable to meet in our buildings, but yet the church has met online streaming with video streaming, with um, all sorts of different technological um, areas, the church has still been able to continue to meet. Now, let me get this straight. I miss my church. I don't like coming here to the building and there's only the two of us. I miss my church. And my church misses the fellowship. We miss the fellowship so much. But let me say this. In this time where we are absent from our church buildings, we are absent from our fellowship, do not allow that to detract from your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is such a relationship, you don't need a building. You don't need fellowship with others. Now, hear me. I'm not saying we should do away with churches, but I'm talking about our relationship with God. When we come to church on Sunday, (coughs) we come with an expression of our relationship with God. (coughs) Excuse me. Saving faith is... the. In the risen, exalted Christ at God's right hand. In this passage, Paul talks about your love for the saints. Our love should not be limited to those in our own area of fellowship, but it should flow out to all who have been cleansed by the blood of Christ to the whole household of faith. (coughs) So that means that our love should extend far beyond those that we fellowship with on a Sunday. I've got something in my throat, folks. Also in this verse, we see the combination of faith and love. Some people say they have faith, <clears throat> but it's hard to find any love in their lives. Other people profess to have great love but are quite apathetic to the necessity of faith in Christ. But true Christianity can t- combines sound doctrine and sound living. We need to have both faith and love. Do you walk the walk or do you talk the talk? Are you a Sunday Christian or are you a life Christian? Do you practice what you preach? These folks are important questions, not questions. They're not designed to give you a guilt trip but they are designed for self-reflection with a view to strengthen your relationship with God. And what about the spirit of wisdom and revelation that's talked about in this prayer? There can be no doubt that God is the source or the originator of all glory and the one to whom all glory belongs. This prayer of Paul's Continues that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. <clears throat> Isaiah 11.2 Isaiah tells us the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. And 1 Corinthians 2.10 tell us that every believer is in dealt with by him, So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and every believer is indwelt by him. Revelation deals with the imparting of knowledge, but wisdom has to do with the proper use of knowledge. Interesting, isn't it? I find that very interesting. Revelation deals with the imparting of knowledge. But wisdom has to do with the proper use of knowledge. Believers are to have a deep spiritual knowledge of God. A knowledge that cannot be gained by intellectual activity or intellectual ability, but only by the gracious ministry of the Spirit. The source of spiritual illumination, folks, is not me. The source of spiritual illumination is God. The channel is the Holy Spirit and the subject is the full knowledge of God. The source, folks, of spiritual illumination is God. The channel is the Holy Spirit and the subject is is the full knowledge of God. <clears throat> in verse 18, Paul talks about the hope of his calling, the riches of, his, of the glory of Christ's inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. <clears throat> the hope of Christ's calling points us forward, folks, to the future, I'll say that again. The hope of Christ's calling points us forward to the future. This is the destiny which he had in mind for us when he called us. <clears throat> it includes the fact that we shall be with Christ and be like him forever. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? It includes the fact that we shall be with Christ and be like him forever. We shall be known as sons of God and reign with him as his spotless bride. We hope for this, not in the sense that there is any doubt about it, but because it is the aspect of our salvation which is still future, and to which we look forward to. Do you get it? We hope for this, the things we hope for, the hope of Christ's calling, the destiny to which he has called us to, and we shall be known as sons of God and reign with him as his spotless bride, These are the things, folks, that we hope for, but we don't hope for them in the sense that there is any doubt about it, but because it is that aspect of our salvation which is still future, to which we look forward to. The next area to look at is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Believers will reign with Christ and will inherit all that Christ has for us. That is every spiritual blessing. And if you look back in the uh, earlier verses of chapter one, Paul talks about the fact that we already have every spiritual blessing. I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> but what are these spiritual blessings? I want I've, I've got a list here. This list comes out of Ephesians chapter 1 and um, the, uh, uh, up to uh, verse 14. The first spiritual blessing, folks, we will be holy and blameless. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our sin. The second spiritual blessing is adoption to sonship adoption we're going to be adopted by god we're going to join with a new family a spiritual family the third blessing is redemption through his blood folks nothing pleases me more to know that i am redeemed by the blood of the lamb i've been set free Thank you so much, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for atoning for our sins and paying that redemption price. Number four, the fourth spiritual blessing is the mystery of his will. Folks, do you know what God's will is? Do you know the mystery of God's will? Do you know what God's will is for your life? If you're not sure, find out. God has a plan for your life. But a will is something else as well. When my father passed, he'd made out a will. And I was one of the beneficiaries God has a will. Right here, folks. His last will and testament. Oh, yes, it's the New Testament. You know, when somebody makes out a will or a testament, it does not come into effect. Until that person has passed away. It's the same with the New Testament. It did not come into effect until Jesus had died. And then he rose. The fifth spiritual blessing is uh, that we have been chosen. Oh, I like that. You know when I was at school there were two team captains and they came forward and each team cho- each captain chose the people for their team I was always last nobody wanted me but Jesus chose me Jesus chose me that's special to be chosen by him number 6 spiritual blessing We are included in Christ. Wow, it doesn't get much better than that. That's, you know, being included in Christ. We are with Him. Whatever happens to Christ happens to us. We are included in every aspect of His life. And the last number five, six, number seven is that we are marked with the seal, folks, the seal of the Holy Spirit. You yeah, know, some people will be marked, the book of Revelation says some people will be marked with the number of the beast. But I'll tell you what, folks, not this one, not this little black duck. I am marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And I know many of you people that are watching this stream, are also marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. I've got nothing to fear from the devil. He's just a created being. Think carefully and pray about appropriating the spiritual blessings that we've been given. Appropriate them to your life. Believe for them. You have them. They are yours. The moment you were saved, you received every spiritual blessing. And this is a fantastic list. This list provides blessings for us now and it provides blessings for us in the future. This is also part of the mystery of God's will. That he will accept people who have participated in sin but been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. To further emphasise the extent of this power, the Apostle Paul next describes the greatest exhibition of divine power the world has ever known. And that is the power that raised Christ out from among the dead and enthroned him at God's right hand. That's power, folks. To go from death to God's right hand. Boom. Maybe you might think that the creation of the universe, and we talked about this. Uh, communion is the greatest display of God's might, or 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 the deliverance of these people through the Red Sea. But no, the New Testament teaches that Christ's resurrection and ascension required the greatest outflow of divine energy. Why was this? All the hosts of hell were gathered to frustrate God's purposes by keeping Christ in the tomb, or by preventing his ascension. Once. He was raised, but God triumphed over every single form of opposition. Christ's resurrection and glorification were a shattering defeat for Satan and his hosts, and a glorious, glorious spectacle of victorious power. Folks, such is the power of God. You believe in God. You pray for this and you pray for that. And sometimes your prayers are answered and sometimes you're not. And sometimes you scratch your head and you wonder if God's got any power. Folks, believe me. You don't need to wonder about God's power. When I've said this before. When God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. And light come out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per hour. And it's still going at that speed today. And that's only one aspect of his creation. That's power. That's power. Christ has been given by God to the church. Folks, Christ has been given by God to to the church, not the building. The church, He's head over all things. The relationship is described. The church is His body, and the fullness of Him, who fills everything, in every way. No relationship be no relationship could be closer than that of the head. And the body. They are one in union and indwelt by one Spirit. The church is a company of people called out from the world. Yes, a company of people called out from the world. And this happened between Pentecost and the rapture. Saved by grace and given the unique privilege of being the body of Christ. He is the head, we are the body, the body of Christ. When you go down the street to do some shopping, you are not going alone, but you are part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is walking down to the supermarket or getting in the car or or packing the groceries away, or splitting firewood, or whatever it might be. Jesus is the head. You are the body. If your town is not being evangelised, then the body of Christ is not walking through your town. He's being left in church all week, or left at home, or somewhere. We are the body of Christ. We have a job to do. And our job is to help people get their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. The church, folks, is a company of people called out from the world. No other group of believers in any age or religion ever has had or will have This distinction, the Lord Jesus is himself, the one who fills in all, who permeates the universe and supplies the universe with all of its needs. You must know who Christ is. You must know what Christ has done and you must know what Christ is able to do. You must have a conviction that this knowledge about Christ is true. That's the conviction. You must act upon that knowledge and act upon that conviction and trust Christ daily. Trust Christ every day. This prayer is one that could be prayed on a regular basis for each and every person that you personally know. Any day you can flick the Bible open to Ephesians chapter 1 and say, I'm going to pray this prayer for my friend or friends. Go for it. Imagine you did that seven times a week. Imagine you did that seven times a day. Imagine the prayers that would be going up for people. Think about it, folks. Our mission, we're not part of this world. Forget about the fleshly stuff. We're born of the Spirit, born again. We're ready to rock and roll with Jesus. Let's get into it. I think sometimes too many Christians pussyfoot around and are weak and snivelly and don't take communion seriously. No wonder they're weak and sick and falling asleep. We've got to get with the program, folks the biblical program. You must have a personal encounter with Christ, surrendering your life to the Lord. At this point, salvation or deliverance, if you want to call it that, salvation or deliverance occurs. And from that point throughout eternity, the power of Christ in the believer is greater than the power of sin. Have you ever thought about that? The power of Christ in you is greater than than the power of sin. Oh, yes, I've never thought about it in those sort of terms. The power of Christ in you is greater than the power of sin. Amen. So you might say amen. You might think, well, yes, pastor, that's great. Then why do you have sin in your life? Why? I'll leave you to think about that one. From the point of salvation throughout eternity, the power of Christ in, believe, in the believer is greater than the power of sin over that believer. And Christ... Well, here's a reference. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.12. I won't read it out, but you can check it out. 2 Timothy 1. 12. And Christ in turn... Covers your sin by having paid the penalty for those sins, that's how it works, through his death on the cross. Mm -hmm. You then are challenged to live for him and challenged to grow in his grace. That's the challenge for us, folks, to grow to live for him, to live for Jesus and to grow in his grace. I recommend that this afternoon or sometime you open your Bible again to Ephesians 1 and read this prayer, read it as a prayer from your heart to Jesus. Understand it, understand our position in Christ. Jesus does not want to marry a bride that's been trampling through the mud of this world. He's after a bride that is spotless. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this day. And I thank you, Lord, for this prayer in Ephesians. Paul wrote to the church. And I thank you, Lord, that we can glean from this prayer, that we can receive the revelation and understand our position in Christ. I pray, Lord, that this revelation will be unpacked in our lives to such an extent that we will be strong and victorious in our Christianity and that we will not look to the left nor to the right, But we will go straight ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen, Folks, we're going to close with a song. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast sermon. You can find more great messages like this on the Anchor podcast app and also on the Wattle City Church Facebook page. Thanks so much for listening. And God bless you.